Welcome to the Six Levers Podcast, where we talk about simple tools for healthy teams. I'm your host, Josh Aranda. Let's go. Shall we talk about Mother's Day since it was so uh, so recent? What's the uh, what's the highlight from Mother's Day yesterday? Um, yeah, ours was our, we have a I guess three year running tradition where um, we, there's this great restaurant here in Austin called Fresas where they have like whole chickens that you can just that they roast over a fire and like a wood fired deal and and you just share them across the table and so it's a lot of fun and they have great great margaritas too so it's always Dee Dee's annual request is let's let's go there and my wife works at our church so it's kind of a she has to work unfortunately on Mother's Day but like right after that we we go over there and did that this year and it was awesome and it was it was really cool too because it rained most of the morning and the kind of the clouds just broke just long enough for us to go over there and and celebrate her and it's great and then she got to take a nap when she got back home so that was her other request <laughs> awesome how about you joe nice. yeah a lot of highlights i got to see my own mom and wish her well and hang out there um i think the highlight for our family was uh my wife has been talking about taking henry to swimming lessons for since before the pandemic, the pandemic slowed it down quite a bit. But yesterday on Mother's Day, she decided to kick that off. <laughs> so they went to their first swimming class. Um, and that was a lot of fun. So all in all, a great day. It's funny. So we took Jack and Noah to swimming lessons yesterday as well. We did it like last year and then started them up again yesterday, which is funny. Um, <laughs> and then two other highlights. We... I love making cinnamon rolls and my wife loves cinnamon rolls. And so we try to do that on birthdays and special occasions. So I made cinnamon rolls yesterday that were pretty good. I think she enjoyed them. And then uh, our five, well, she's pretty much six months, but she had her first avocado yesterday, um, her first bit of food. So that was a highlight. I think oh, that's awesome. Made my wife super happy. So some people right. are allergic to avocado. So that's good too. That not only was it successful yeah. whole foods, but it was she can eat avocados. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to try like one thing for the next few days and then move on to something else. But yeah, she was, it was great. It was super cute. Quick, quick avocado story. <laughs> Yesterday, my contribution to, uh, to mother's day dinner, my dad, you know, he led the, led it, but he asked for my special guac. Uh, so I got to, I got to make some guacamole, but the best part about it was it happened to be at our local grocery store, uh, avocados are free if you're members and uh so they asked me you know as i was checking out i didn't know this until i was checking out hey do you you want to use your points today for your avocados and i was like sure i had bought eight i bought eight avocados (laughs) and i thought that'd be great save 14 bucks on avocados it was great wow (laughs) usually it's like a a 70 cent pepper you know yeah free avocado day that's a premium big, big savings yeah it was great as my high school soccer coach used to say, that's the right price. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Laugh. Good dad isn't there. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move us along to a very important topic, a topic that we find near and dear uh, to our hearts. It's something that we see um, executed um, not necessarily poorly, but just doesn't grab, have the legs that we all hope it does. And that's really around strategic planning. And so the kickoff question, the launch point for today is, why do strategic plans sit on a shelf? We've been doing this for 12 years. 
it's one of the most common questions that we ask, hey, do you have a strategic plan? And more often than not, it's a yes, but it's very quickly followed with, yeah, I need to pull that back out. I haven't looked at it in a while. Or, you know what, that was from a different board and I'm not really sure what's on it. We hear these, they're not excuses, they're just realities about this plan that is sitting somewhere collecting dust. So Joe, Sean, that is the kickoff point. Why do strategic plans sit on a shelf? Yeah, this is one I feel like we could just sit on this question for the whole podcast if we wanted to. Um, so I'll get us started on a few things. Uh, the first one is that I think most teams don't stop before they start the process of asking the question, like, what are we, what are we doing this for? Like, what do we hope to do with it, right? Is it for... Um, do we owe it to some external stakeholders? Do we, um, is it something that the board has asked us to do? So we're just doing it for the board. Um, do we genuinely want to do it so that it can, can guide our direction for the next three years? And we plan to, to use it in day-to-day -day, um, and use like that, right? Um, and it's because of that, they often enter into, teams often enter into a process where, the, because the end is not known, um, they end up delivering and creating something that doesn't have much use, right? Because they didn't start off by saying like, what do we actually want to do with this? Um, and some of those outputs could, it could also include the definition of, or just alignment on like, what is the actual end output of this process need to look like? Is it a traditional longer plan, right? And then again, if you can answer that first question, you might be able to then answer the output question. Like if it's something that we owe to the entire community, um, because maybe we're like a collective impact organization or we're doing community work. Maybe that makes sense, right? We owe that level of insight and transparency um, to the, the greater community. Uh, however, if you're an organization that's you know not in that role, where you're not in this kind of community backbone, collective impact organizing, which, which most organizations are not, by the way, um, then you probably don't owe that, ex that extensive, longer report to somebody. You probably just need something that's going to um, align everyone on where you want to be in three to five years, and then something that's that's actionable and you can begin to take some movement on. So, um, but because teams kind of lean towards, often towards these longer form reports, um, it makes it difficult to take to take action on them. To know like where do we start? Um, who's responsible for what? What are the when we look at this bigger vision? What are the shorter term goals that we can begin to make some progress on? So. Um, I'm going to probably pause here and let Joe jump in. And then it will maybe keep talking about this one for a little bit. Yeah, I, I think about it um, as sort of two ways. What went into the planning process? And then what's the team prepared to do afterwards? I think like Sean, you described a lot of the in the planning process, preparing for the planning process. You know, what do we what's this for? What stakeholders are going to be involved in this? What do we hope the end artifact? is and achieves for us um you know is it a longer plan is it more goal centered what's the what's the real makeup of the plan itself and who's involved and there can be a lot of things that that go poorly or or un, are unclear at that part but then you know what we also see is once we're done with the planning process this sort of question now what you know, maybe the process was actually really meaningful and exciting and clear and resulted in a, a heightened level of an engagement around the vision and mission of the organization. And then they sort of ask the question like, now what? And that's sort of part two, why they end up sitting on shelves because 
oftentimes what happens is not sure yet. <laughs> um, we no longer have the group to come together to figure that out, right? Our time for strategic planning is over. Maybe we had a consultant, maybe we didn't, but either way, like this is sort of the end of it. And so then literally that plan gets like saved in a folder or set on the shelf and it doesn't get come back. We don't come back to it, right? Because we don't actually plan for how are we going to implement it, right? What practices, rhythms, tools, technology do we need to be able to actually adopt the plan and, and execute it? So just the lack of preparedness around doing that is one of the most common reasons folks report back to us why it's sitting there dusty. Yeah, I think it's interesting, Joe, like that, that whole idea that teams can like do a lot of planning and ramping up and, and resource management for this like this big project task of developing a strategic plan. Um, but I love your, your, I mean, this point I think is so helpful to think of as like, you've got all these resources around for this season, right? And then, and then the season's over and what do you do? Like whether it was a special committee or, or just people on the team that just decided, hey, for the next three to six months, we're going to dedicate this time. And, and then those, you know, they're done and, and it becomes, you know, we're not sure what we do, what we do now. Right. And well, I was just going to say, I know I might be getting into some future questions that we probably want to talk about here, but um, you know, one of the things that we, this is kind of illustrating, I think one of the reasons that it sits on a shelf is that uh, there's this mindset of strategic planning is something that just happens every three to five years. And that kind of like that big burst of activity and resources that come around and that Joe was describing, um, you know, that that's not really sustainable, right? Like all that additional work effort on top of all the additional, the existing things that they're doing. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, the effort just quickly falls off a cliff. And so one of the things that we like to try and get our, the teams we work with to understand is how do we make a movement towards thinking about strategic planning as being just like integrated into the way we work, right? So it's certainly we, we, we've talked about in previous episodes, we still are at, would still encourage uh, clarity at the three to five year horizon. But in order to not have them sit on a shelf and not require this big work effort, how do we begin to make a movement to think about them? They're just, it's just incorporated into the way we work into some of our rhythms can you can you break that down a little bit more when you say make it a part of our work are you saying on an annual basis on a quarterly basis can you explain a little bit more just so our listeners can understand yeah so you know sometimes we tell teams um you know the reason they're struggling or the reason any team is we, you know we, we've been through our own historical struggles of this as well of not accomplishing our big goals is because they're not breaking them down into small enough pieces, right? So if we just very simply say, you know, we've aligned, we're clear on where we want to be in three to five years, um, then the very next step would be, do we, how do we bring focus to the first year of that plan, right? And, and, and what are the measurable goals we want to achieve as a result of that? And then what are the, even breaking it down into quarterly or, or semester or trimesters, how do we break that down into even more near-term goals and then overlay the rhythms, which, you know, we've, we've talked about before. How do we overlay those rhythms to those, uh, those, those uh, horizons of focus, right? And then it just becomes, if we, if we, that becomes our new way of working, an annual sync, a quarterly sync, right? And we're, and we're looking out to where we want to be in three, five years. We're adjusting that if we need to. We're saying, what progress do we want to make towards that? It just becomes a way of working. And then in our weekly and biweeklies, we're bringing those shorter term goals into focus, 
right? So this whole kind of how do we make progress on our strategic plan? It becomes even less about like, what's the plan to implement the strategic plan? It's not even really about that. It's more about this is just the way we now operate, right? Like we, we, we're we being strategic every quarter, like at, at, at the longest term. You could even argue we're being strategic every week, right? But but it, we're at least making this shift to say our, our strategy, our intentional strategy time is at least moving into once a quarter versus this old way of thinking before, which is like every three to five years. Yeah, Sean, I think what that once you get, I love you using that phrase, the way of working, this just becomes sort of your new normal. Um, this is how we work and everything feels very strategic. And, and it's because when you're operating at that quarterly level, even down to the monthly and weekly level, you know that it's connected to a greater vision for your organization. And you know that that vision was developed in a meaningful way with key stakeholders, right? And so you're the way you're working, you can really feel that connection to the broader vision of the organization. And now your, your posture shifts from when are we going to do that huge, big strategic planning process again that takes six to 12 months to when are we going to revisit that vision in a lean, more agile way and bring other stakeholders together to monitor, you know, how are we doing against it? What's changed since we've since we've connected last? And you can do that in, you know, a month's time or a few weeks time, right? Um, so once you really get into that new way of working, even the way you think about the big visioning exercises is much more manageable and also becomes a part of that operating rhythm. Both of you are talking about expectations and what you want out of the process on the front end, right? So someone might be saying, you know what, we want a five-year target, or we just, you know what, we're not even there yet. We're galvanizing our team, and we need to think about a one-year target, and that's what our planning needs to be focused around. How would you help an organization kind of think through answering that question for them? Because I think we think strategic planning, that's what I need to do. I need a strategic plan. But there's so many nuances and so many outputs of that strategic plan that is very relative to the consultant that they might be bringing in or the person who's leading it internally. How would you kind of recommend or how have you seen organizations come to understand what they need out of the process so that they can filter through who should facilitate it? Well, I think it starts with asking some of those questions, right? And making sure that you're clear and they're clear about what their objectives are. Because, you know, Sean, you mentioned this up front, how important it is to align on what you're trying to achieve as part of the process. And this happens all the time. We go through that process of asking questions and we might land on, you're not looking for a strategic plan. Actually, you're looking for a set of meaningful annual goals because you don't have that, right? So let's create that for, for your team. Um, or it might unearth, we've got, you know, larger culture issues and we actually need to do some different work altogether. And, and a strategic plan just feels like the big strategic thing to do. Um, but when you start to ask those questions, I think you start to understand a little bit better what that organization needs. When we, when we land on our strategic planning process, it's typically, we want to, we want to align with our stakeholder group, our broader stakeholder group on where we want to be in three to five years, right? We want to actually have a step back moment 
and, and answer big picture questions related to our vision. When that's a big part of what they're looking for, um, that typically signals to us something that looks a little bit more like a, a strategic plan. I think this alignment in what we mean and what people mean when they say strategic planning is so important because I know for years, I remember, you know, when I was in my MBA program, you know, years ago, I'd hear it and I'd be, and I'd wonder like, what do they mean when they say that? Like, I think I have an idea for it, but I'm not sure. I don't think they're saying the same thing. And this is before I'd even studied it much. And so, and so now I think we see this with a lot of our, a lot of clients and just people who talk about it in general, like everyone carries these different meaning. You know, like might say, so yeah, we got to update our strat plan and someone, you know, they might mean what you're saying. Josh, maybe it's just around annual goals. And, and Joe, to your point, like we've certainly gotten in and, and discovered in many times that people think of, um, well, one, they carry these different meanings. So alignment on what we actually mean when we say this is critical, but two, like, what are we solving for? Because sometimes there's this idea that strategic planning is sort of like this magic pill. It's like, things aren't going the way they should be going right now. We wish we were working better together. We need to gain some momentum I know we need to create a strategic plan, right? And we've often said, you know, what we've, what we've learned through experience is that um, when things aren't, like when teams aren't as cohesive as they could be, and maybe when leadership isn't as strong as it should be, um, the idea of then just jumping into strategic plan can actually create some problems for teams because you're, you're adding complexity in a world where teams aren't necessarily um, ready for that complexity. Now, on the flip side of it, the development of, of the, and the clarifying of the vision, um, and I know we'll probably talk at some point today about, about uh, identity and the role of clarifying identity, that can work to bring teams together, but it takes like, like some real understanding of like what it is that we're about to do together. Do we have the time? Do we have the cycles? Can we journey through some tough conversations? Like, are we ready for that? Have we created like safety within the team and like an ability to be candid and, and, and trusting with each other so that we can really create the most meaningful output of this process. If like the, if the ground is not there for that, maybe we should do some work there and, and then do some strategic planning work or maybe do them side by side. But understanding that the plan doesn't solve um, all issues that organizations face, I think is another important consideration. Good. Do you got anything to add to that? No. One question that um, I was thinking about while you're talking, Sean, is there's right there's a couple layers of why the planning process might be misaligned or not the right timing of it. But then, Joe, you mentioned the stuff that happens afterwards, right? So there's this like unique balance of are we sure this is exactly what we want and who's driving this? Somebody else, like a board member or some issue that we haven't resolved. Now, what are we going to do with it afterwards? The what are we going to do out with it afterwards might be the same dependent upon the root cause, like what's what's initiating the strategic planning process on the front end. Can you talk about how do we how do organizations effectively monitor and implement those strategic plans, right? Regardless of how good the plan is, what is their responsibility and how do we help them think about executing that plan afterwards? Yeah, well, I think, I, shoot, I mean, it's like inside of our framework, I almost think about like the systems require the system requirements. So like a requirement 
for a healthy organization is to have alignment and motivation around a broader vision for the organization. So we think about it that as looking like at the three-year level, you've got goals and narrative around where you want to be. It's this directional part of your organization. And that's typically where we sort of enter into the strategic planning process. And depending on what those requirements are for the engagement, um, we may take it down to another level within the organization, down to the annual goals, um, where we say, okay, if this is where we want to be in three years, the first thing that we need to do to be able to begin executing is break it down, right? What are we going to achieve in pursuit of that vision this upcoming year and get really focused and accountable around a handful of meaningful goals uh, as it relates to that one-year lens? And then to do that again, breaking it down again at the quarterly level. So a huge part of execution is continuing to break down that vision into more manageable bite-sized chunks where you're creating focus at these more near-term horizons. Because the plan, what it ultimately should do is, is motivate people and inspire action, right? If we're not taking action toward the broader vision of the strategic plan, then it's not really doing what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, but alongside that focus piece is adopting rhythms to execute and monitor the plan as well. So what rhythms do we need to have stood up inside of our organization so that we're coming back to this in a real routine way um, so that it does really become our way of working uh, where that vision that we sort of associated with strategic planning is regularly getting revisited and, and, and nurtured on a regular basis through those rhythms that we stand up. Yeah, two, two more things that come to mind. Um, and it's probably um, probably crazy that we haven't mentioned the compass yet at this point in this podcast. Um, but this is, you know, the compass is a tool that we developed. It's, it, it's in it, one of our answers to helping a plan not sit on a shelf, right? And it, it's just basically a, a, a th two to three page uh, short, summary of where an organization uh, wants to be in three years as well as their identity. Um, so we we often take times or uh, we always take we always work with organizations to clarify their identity before uh, going into setting their three-year vision. Um, and the output of those two things together, the compass is um, is meant to be this easy to onboard and reference tool, right? So if you want to quickly communicate what the vision is, as Joe just mentioned, kind of both in the both in the narrative form, and in the kind of a handful of bullet points that show this is what it'll look like in three years where we want to be, you can easily onboard someone to it. You can easily reference it if you're faced with the decision. Um, it's easy for teams to just to, to get aligned in what it is because we've said this is the stuff that matters most, um, unlike the longer plan, or it might be hard to pick out. Like, was that was there something on page seven that mattered most, or was it you know 32? You know, I'm not sure, but this gives us the ability to do that. Um, and the other piece of it for this measurability piece and rhythms piece that, we, that we've been talking about is a simple scorecard, right? So is, that's be the second like major output of the process is to say, we, we've translated the stuff on the compass um, and even gone beyond the compass, right? So we've gone beyond three years to where Joe was saying, we've gone to one year now. 
And we've got these measurable goals that we can bring into our rhythms and we can we can monitor them. So uh, we found that these two tools um, are extremely helpful in getting teams to say, um, you know, be, teams to be equipped to make progress on what, the, what we think of as a strategic plan, right? So in many ways, when, when organizations say we need a strategic plan and the Success framework, this is our answer is to say um, the, the version of that in the framework is a compass plus a scorecard now, in some cases, I mentioned at the top, you know, we will, if it makes sense if, for them answering, like, what are we going to do this with this? What's the output of it going to be? If it makes sense for their, um, for their, their stakeholders and mission, then we will do a longer plan, but most organizations don't need that. And so we settle on these two outputs. How, how often have you seen organizations, a two-part question, how often have you seen organizations that have a really clear distilled down two to three page strategic plan that is summary in nature and very clarifying. And then second part is if they don't have that, how do we help organizations understand how long that takes to develop a two to three page strategic plan, a compass plus that scorecard? Because right, you might hear two to three pages and you're like, oh, I could whip that up in an afternoon. But is it is it that? I well, I think it's it's rare. And I think, you know, I'd want to just want to like address some of the, I think, arguments we hear for a, a shorter plan. Some people would say, well, I've even heard some people say, ah, you know, these, these short plans are all the rage now. And and there's like, that's just not enough substance there. I think what we found is it's it's actually a lot more challenging to take a ton of input, right? To take all these ideas from people who have, who care so much about you know where the organization is headed and their core identity and distill all that down to the two or three pages that matter most. That is hard work. It, it's good work. It's really worth the struggle and the fight for it. Um, but it's not a, it doesn't mean you're omitting important stuff, right? It means you're omitting the stuff that probably people aren't gonna be, people don't need to be aligned on or memorizing uh, anyway, it means we're, we're, we're really focusing to, to align on the things that matter most. And so that shouldn't be interpreted as being like a watered down strategic plan. In fact, it should say this team fought really hard to clarify and align on what matters most. Um, and so, so that, that's the first thing. Um, actually, I forgot, Josh, I forgot your second question. What was your second question? Uh, it was a meaningful, meaningful question. Um, how long should an organization or, oh. or a leader expect to uh, spend time on developing a compass? Yeah. Um, well, it, it's it should be about three to three to five months. Probably is about the normal amount of time, but it depends on. Um, it really depends on what state the organization's identity is. So, our in our framework, identity has several components. And aligning on those components of identity can take time because it's you're you're getting input on, you know, what's the unique way we accomplish our mission, what are our underlying beliefs, what are our values. If some of that's in good shape, then we can work with what's there, and we would definitely encourage organizations to do that. So some of that can be sped up, and you might be more in a three month uh, timeline. But if if there's a lot of work to do there before we jump right into visioning, which we always recommend alignment and identity before going into uh, vision, then that can take a little bit more time and get towards the towards the five month time horizon. One thing, just to I think call out about what Sean's sharing here. Now that we're getting into sort of our compass development, sort of the replacement for maybe a traditional strategic planning process, is the emphasis on refining 
renewing your identity. This is a part of the process. A lot of times teams don't plan to do during this part of the process. Um, but it's about as strategic a thing you can do on a, you know, it could be as frequently as an annual process to just revisit. And it's probably much, it's looking much more like refining your identity. These are things like your mission, your core beliefs, your values, your, the, your vitals, the measures you, you measure um, on a regular basis. That part of the process is unique. And a lot of times teams say, well, we don't know if we really need that, right? Like we kind of have that. So then we have a little bit more conversation about it take a look at it and what typically ends up happening either directly or indirectly um, through the process is that their identity needs uh, some engagement, right? Their identity needs some love. There's elements of it that are strong. There are elements of it that are weak. There are elements of it that are missing entirely, right? And what we found is if you can align on your identity first, one of the and, and one of the most important pieces of that for a strategic planning process are what we call your vitals. So the handful of measures that define success year over year. If you can align on all of that ahead of visioning, your visioning exercise is all the more strategic, right? And it's actually it's it's more what you think about when you think of strategy, right? It's like big picture visioning. Where do we want to go? This is who we are. We know who we are now, right? We know what we measure year over year. Now we can get creative and strategic. Um, so just want to highlight that piece because I feel like we're, you know, it, it's it's not as common, if at all, in a strategic planning process, but it's core to the work that we do with organizations who are in that strategic planning phase. Yeah. Josh, one thing I just want to add here is um, we, we talk about this identity, clarifying identity before we go into a visioning that it equips teams to have identity informed growth, right? So in a world where we didn't do that, um, I mean, this vitals piece is really important. And let's definitely come back to this, that specific part of identity. But as we just think about identity as a whole, if we didn't clarify um, more than our mission and our values, right? If we didn't say, well, what's the unique way we accomplish our mission? And we call that the theory of impact, right? If we didn't go a little bit deeper in aligning our beliefs, um, ways of like overarching principles about how we work. We call those tenets. If we didn't do that, then it's sort of like everything is still kind of possible, right? It's just like anything related to our mission. Yeah, maybe we'll do it. And, you know, imagine the three of us, like we're just like, we're, we're all visionary and we're having exciting ideas. Well, what are we tethering to, right? Ideally, one of us is saying, looking at the other person and saying, well, you know, I, that sounds exciting, but I don't know, is that really linked to our unique identity? Is that, will that really move that forward, right? And so it becomes clarifying and, and guides the conversation, the development of the three-year vision in a way that's less about what any one person wants and more about like what we have agreed to as our foundational identity. Right. I think just to use a, a practical example too, I, I love sharing what we do at Mission Matters Group because like when I hear you talking like, ah, oh, yeah, that's why we did what we did, right? Being able to um, relate to that. So uh, the three years prior, we had this objective within our organization that we came up from strategic planning, set in kind of our three-year horizon. Um, our objective was build a culture of organizational health. Well, two years ago, we did a lot of work in kind of what Joe said, refreshing our core values that were tied to our identity. One of those um, refinements of our core values was intentional presence. 
So last year, combining those two things, we had this objective of building a culture of organizational health, and we had this core value of intentional presence. So one of the things that we did, and it was one of the best decisions we did to achieve both of them is we did an offsite in Arizona, and we brought our whole team together, and we all stayed in the same location, and we played together, we worked together, we broke bread together, and the whole goal was how do we create intentional presence? Like we, everybody in our team loves their family. We prioritize family time, but we want to work hard at the same time, right? So it was kind of a tactic bringing everybody together in for larger planning, but it was also a strategy that aligned with our objectives, that annual um, plan. And so again, some of these things, it really helps us because we had the question of, should we do this? And once you start surfacing it and looking at it through the identity, it starts to get really clear whether you should or should not. And so the ease, not necessarily ease, it's still hard, but your ability to make clear and more consistent decisions becomes enabled with a clear identity. And I think, again, the team does a great job of distilling these things down. But, you know, as a leader of our organization, I was like, holy smokes, this is so clarifying and enabling and freeing to make the right decisions. You still make wrong decisions. Like I'm not, <laughs> this doesn't guarantee right decisions, but it gives a greater chance of success for the right decisions for your objectives in alignment with your identity. Josh, I love this, this consistent piece you're bringing up. I'm also hearing the word like empowering because you know, what's really amazing when you, when you truly have these handful of strategic objectives and your identity is clear and Josh, you're really good at this at re Josh would be in that chief repeating officer, Josh, Josh is like world-class at bringing the values in front of our team and, and, and like being, helping us to be reminded of what they are. And, and that's really the role of leadership, right? Is to say, or one of the roles of leadership is to say like, this is our identity. Let's make sure everyone knows that these are strategic objectives. Let's make sure everyone knows what they are. And then to your point about this, like, like this, this tactical or strategy, like around the retreat, those ideas start coming from everywhere, right? People are like, if this is where we're headed and this is what we're about, like, what about this? This feels in alignment with this. Can we, I, I have this idea, right? And it becomes like on the other side of that, when you're, when you are like the steward of that, it feels so amazing when people share those ideas back to you and you're like, oh my gosh, this is working. Like, unlike the very complex, you know, long plan that people like really had a hard time figuring out where their place was in it and the balance scorecard with, you know, all these measures and multiple tabs and people didn't really know how to connect their work to it. Like now they can, now they get our identity. Now they know the few strategic objectives and, and they're beginning to offer ways that we can make progress towards it. So, and I don't even remember Josh, if that particular happened for that example, but for some reason it made me think like that happens. Right. And, and it's, and it's amazing when it does. Yeah. Jo Josh, what I love in hearing your story is I can just like feel the the fire inside you and that's what investing in your identity does is it motivates people, right? Some of my favorite memories of working with clients are during that identity refinement process where, you know, you ask simple questions like, why do you exist? What were the beliefs that drove the reason why your organization exists? And to just see faces light up and conversations happen in just such incredible ways, right? That once you align on that identity in a real meaningful way, the fire sort of been, you know, relit inside you and you just see the process really take form in this meaningful way. 
identity is is the lever inside our framework that really makes work meaningful makes work driven by your you know the why of the organization and just i just love hearing your story there because i know that that was you know lit a fire inside you for us to be able to reinvest in our identity clarify it and then let it really drive our work um there's a couple of questions that I feel like, yeah, are, are, are surfacing that I'd love to ask both of you. Um, and it's going back to the monitoring of the plan. I bet you if you surveyed a thousand leaders that said, have they ever executed a strategic plan with a hundred percent fidelity? Like mm-hmm. their assumptions and their hypothesis were a hundred percent right. And I would assume that it's, maybe 5% and those 5% might be lying. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I think um, on a personal level, like I, I can speak from a uh, personal experience, like you want this plan to be perfect, right? You're you're the leader of the organization. You want it to be accurate. You're scared of diverting because you're like, oh, my planning was wrong then. We made the wrong decisions, the wrong assumptions, right? So there's this like interesting balance. And I think just to use that word that one of you said, like empowering, how does having a looser defined three to five year vision, what could be true, broken down into annual and quarterly priorities, and that monitoring, right? There's what could be true versus what is our present day. How do you think about um, diverting plans, changing plans, if you have the power of like something like six levers and the operating rhythms to monitor that progress? Talk about maybe the decision-making to divert away from a plan that may or may not be accurate in the present day one of the overarching value propositions for the six levers framework is how do you think about your most important your most strategic activities in your organization and not leave them to chance right and i think josh what you just described is um we i think every almost every leader we've talked to holds a value of wanting to be able to be agile and when things change and when they're faced with things they didn't plan for to want to change course. And yet often they don't have the tools to do that. They don't know how to do it. It's an aspiration, but they don't know what to do. Or as an individual, they might have some ideas, but the team being all aligned and how do we do this when we're faced with a challenge? How do we make a pivot? How do we adjust? And, and that's why, you know, some of the things we've been talking about that, that couple with like having clarity of identity in a plan, such as some of these strong operating rhythms um, are the places where you should bring up uh, your your annual goals, certainly your quarterly, and even your your compass and three year scorecard, and say like, what adjustments do we need to make, right? Like, what assumptions did we have back then that are no longer true, right? That are we, we thought this would be true at the end of the year. This thing happens, changed. We're in a recession or approaching one. You know, where if it, something's changed in our funding world, our industry, AI has popped up. Like, what does that mean for us? What are we doing about it? We didn't know it back then. But um, how do we make space for it and save space for it when we design our rhythms to say, this is going to ensure that any adjustments we need to make do not get left to chance, right? We're not just fighting to find time to come together to say like, let's make an adjustment. We know we're gonna hit a time together as a team when we have space intentionally carved out to look at what adjustments we need to make. So we're not leaving that to chance. At the the bare minimum, you're doing that quarterly and you're doing it annually. but as you get stronger at these operating rhythms and, and designing them to achieve, to achieve the, 
the intended objective, you'll find that you can do that in your weeklies as well. Like you can, you can, someone can call, I think we need to make a, a course change here. And you can even be, have the right time and space to do it there as well. I think it, I think, you know, I could think of a couple of tenants that are sort of laced in the six levers framework. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of a reframe around how to think about goals where like, oftentimes we think like we set a goal, the thing to do is pursue it with as much discipline and force and effort as possible. And that's what we do, right? Cause it's a goal. You got to go achieve it. But it's like the, the, the two tenants that come to mind are to relentlessly pursue your goals, which represent your focus and also be completely willing to punt them at any given time. However, in order to do that, to really live that out, you need a clear systematic way of operating. We call it the operating cycle, right? You need a weekly, a quarterly or, or trimesterly and an annual rhythm where you're coming and looking at those goals in a structured way, right? And, it, and so it creates the space to strategically punt something, strategically deprioritize something, strategically recommit to something, right? So you can, you can do that. You can both relentlessly pursue goals and be completely willing to respond to, and be agile to the ever-changing things going on, but you need a systematic approach to doing it. You need, and, and the other thing I'll say here is it's gotta be transparent. It's gotta be known, right? People need to all see if you're ever, you know, shifting from one goal to the next or, or modifying what your goals are, that process needs to be just open and transparent. And everyone understands sort of why we're making these changes. When you do that, you start to create this new culture around goal setting. It's super important because it creates focus. But we don't just, you know, drive after goals just because we set them, right? We're going to consistently come back to them, revisit them. Uh, and, and finding that balance is, is really what it's all about. When you both are talking, I really, I love how you ask questions of the process. And I, I heard this quote, um, this was probably like a, a couple of years ago. And the quote was, questions guide the integrity of our thoughts. Well, what I hear from you two as consultants is questions guide the integrity of our strategies, right? Like that's kind of a manipulation of it, but having that clear identity, having a solid focus allows us to ask better questions of our progress. And I think that's like a, a really powerful thing in that, like we should be asking questions. Are we focusing on the right things? Are we making meaningful progress that's going to move the needle against our long-term vision? Um, so anyways, I appreciate your questions. I like try like fervently write things down as you guys are talking. I guess I could go back and listen to our own podcast, but sometimes that's weird. Um, Josh, you know, the way you're <laughs> hearing you talk there just reminds me that really what we're, what we're hoping will be true for, for our clients is not that they will like, it's a shift in thinking from, we need a strategic plan to how do we become more strategic? Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, so it's not, it's a, and that's what we've been really talking about. Like it's new ways of working, new ways of thinking, new way of, do, of doing teamwork that allow us to be more strategic. Right. Whereas we, we used to like, we're very infrequently strategic or maybe in individuals are strategic, but as a team, if we create the space and, and the commitment to training and becoming stronger in these things, 
then that's what creates this environment where it's not just this infrequent, like big burst of activity, but it's just integrated in the way that we work. So in many ways, I'm saying it's, it's, it's development work we're talking about right here, like developing our own skills, developing the skills of the team to be more strategic. And I think we see that that has a much bigger impact than the emphasis on like a plan. There's two other questions I have for you that are both about external um, parties. And you might argue about external for this one, but right, we hear a lot of the time, hey, what's the role of the board when we're developing a strategic plan? And hey, should we engage a consultant or can we do this in-house? And those are two really hard, really tricky questions <laughs> because they take more time and they may or may not take more money. So I'd love to hear kind of from your perspective, if we could break that out um, into two questions. You know, what is the role of the board? How do you see organizations effectively leverage them? And what is their kind of rightful role? And then also from a consultant perspective, when is the right time and what should we be looking for in terms of a consultant? Not to punt, not to punt the board question, but I think like the most important thing to do with the board, because every organization is different, is just to make sure that you're aligned on the board's role. Um, you know, you need to CEO and board chair need to make sure that they're prioritizing what is the board's role when it comes to how we define strategic planning. Uh, and maybe as you're doing that, define what are the outcomes, the objectives of the strategic planning process that you want to achieve, because underneath that, that might also elevate a little bit of detail around what role the board's going to play in that specific process. Uh, I think we typically find that when the board is an input and a guide in the strategic planning process, uh, and then therefore, and then um, afterwards serves as an accountability uh, mechanism for the the organization. That's been a pretty healthy uh, relationship. Um, but we know that governance structures are different from org to org, nonprofit, for profit. And so the main thing is just to get really aligned about the role the board's going to play in the process and in developing the plan, how they're going to be involved. And if you get, get there in a meaningful way um, and get everyone aligned, that's going to take you, you know, 90% of the way there. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that last point. I think that is the most important piece. And um, I think one other principle to keep in mind here is the, the leaders that are going to be responsible for moving the plan, the vision forward um, should in large part be the ones that are driving the creation of it. Right. So they're, like Joe said, they're definitely getting inputs from from others. Whether if you're if you're a nonprofit, your board. If you're a for profit, it might be your owners. If the owners are not also the operators, um, or particular investors, owners, right? If they're not in the operations of the business, getting their input. Um, but then just like clarity of what happens afterwards. Um, I, I think an encouragement is one thing that we've seen is in both these scenarios where uh, the team that is operating, let's think, just call them the executive team for who's responsible for like the highest level strategy and organization, um, where they can get into some of these operating cadences and these annual and quarterly, and they can report that out or report that up to whoever that next level is. Um, oftentimes we hear those, those boards and ownership groups say, we've never got anything like this before. We've got our, our CEO reporting out on uh, quarterly learnings, 
like how we did on on our uh, our goals and you know and what the learnings were in pursuit of them and therefore what are the new set of of priorities going to be um and they seem to like really just be in a committed way growing and improving you know on with the with these rhythms and and kind of short term goals that they've put in place in pursuit of the longer term vision so that can feel really that can be a really healthy way for those two groups to communicate back and forth once the plan has been created Josh, should we go into the second question, the, the consulting yeah, question? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, ideally, and obviously we're we're biased as a, as a group that, that runs consulting projects and has a consulting practice, but uh, we, we do really believe that uh, the, the end result uh, and the process in itself is going to be stronger when there's somebody to facilitate it through and someone that's external so that those key stakeholders can fully show up as participants and, and give their full opinion from their unique view, from their experience, from their responsibilities, and not also be asked to, to facilitate a process while, while kind of wearing those dual hats. We do understand that there's there's limit, there's constraints sometimes for organizations that uh, financially that come all around. So we are speaking ideally, but you know when um, if the resources can be found, and I think we would also argue that um, because this is this this process of your initial visioning and then implementing these aspects of an operating system that we're talking about is so important and can change the trajectory of the way your organization runs that it's worth prioritizing finding the funding for, right? So I think sometimes we, we see organizations that fight really hard for other funding and they're like, well, we just don't have the funding for this. And oftentimes I'm left wondering, well, like, gosh, what's, what's more important? Like, what would be like, why is this like priority 12 and, and these other things are higher priorities, right? And, and, and so I think just, we would encourage like to think about like how important it actually is for building the culture and organizational health that you want to achieve, and, and what would that what would that be worth? Um, maybe one final note here, and then I'd love to hear Joe's thoughts. Is um, the 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 consultants you bring in, um, at least in our framework and how we think about it, are facilitators. So I think sometimes we get approached with like we're going to write the plan, like we're going to you know we're going to facilitate a process that gets everyone aligned and is clear and and that includes but we've got consultants in our network that are amazing that that to bring this into their own practices and i think we're all viewing ourselves as we're facilitating a process that brings out and aligns everyone on their identity and their vision but we're not writing it for them and we think that's a healthy way for leadership teams to think about it and also it just means like how you should be expected to show up, how you should be expected to contribute, right? It means, you know, if there's a point where there's a lack of um, complete clarity in the three-year vision, then, you know, a certain leader might have to take us, take an attempt at clarifying one of those things, like with some authorship, right? And, 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 and the, a good consultant's going to say, Hey, for your voice, for your role, I'm discerning, like it could really use this moment where you step in and bring a little bit more clarity here. So they're going to guide through the process but they're not going to not in our, at least in our framework, we're not going to write it for the client. I think like one thing to clarify there, Sean, just for those listening is that we're also not talking about like the 50 page strategic plan where we would then right. facilitate the client. Yeah. You're drafting that. Right. Um, just for anybody wondering. We do, we, you know, in the cases we do have those, we, we, we will do a good bit of writing, but yeah, this is more like compass work. Yeah. No, I agree with, I think, Sean, you raised the main points. And I think, you know, just thinking about it as an investment, if you 
think about the objectives you want to achieve inside of the strategic planning process and then ask yourself, what are all the things that we would need to do to be able to achieve that? You know, what framework are we going to use? What, you know, we're going to have to strategically facilitate a lot of conversations and dialogue, input gathering, um, synthesis and data analysis, developing a plan, you know, project management. Once you start to really ask yourself the question of all that, then you have to ask, do we have the internal capacity and resourcing to do that? And if we don't, it becomes a, a pretty obvious who can we partner with to help steer this process for us? And, you know, I think the only other thing I would add is be really thoughtful and rigorous with who you select because um, finding that right match, somebody that you can trust, have very open and transparent conversations with, um, get really aligned about what the outcomes of the process will be, so powerful. And, you know, we we love this process because when we find the right match, to, of, of folks to work with. We know it's, it's you know, going to be a lot of fun and most likely going to be a relationship that lasts for, for quite some time. Yeah, I have a friend who she leads maybe a, you know, 10 to $14 million organization. And she's thinking about taking her organization through a strategic planning process. And she's very visionary. And, <laughs> you know, she wants to help her team think a little bit more like what she's seeing in the future. And so one kind of uh, warning that I gave her is that like, sometimes we see leaders who need to have that information extracted from them as, as opposed to them sharing that information and getting everybody on their page. It's not that those might not be the right strategies or the longer term objective, but when we think about, right, this is partly change management. So when we think about getting the right ideas to the table and helping hear and look through different um, filters, having that third party to pull that information out, as opposed to putting something out there and then everybody agreeing to it, it can just um, dismantle some of the um, interpersonal stuff that's there. Now, if there's underlying interpersonal stuff to begin with, you might need to do the work there. The plan isn't necessarily going to help that, like Sean mentioned earlier on. But there's some of these things that take into consideration relative to your organization that you want to process to see if it's right to bring in a third party or not. Josh, one, I know we're not talking much about process here, but I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't share this one this one process point. You're just reminding me of this is that um, we see a, a lot of times teams kind of when they do think about strategic planning, they've they've aligned a lot of resource and expectation around like the one big day. Um, and that's hard. It's hard on everybody. Like it's usually what happens is people are like blocking off a Saturday or an all day on a Friday. So in their mind, there's like they're not doing all these other things. So already there's like amped up expectation of of what should happen in a session like that where we've said no to so many other things, often personally, like, like I'm not going to show up to my son's soccer game or my daughter's dance, whatever. Like I'm not spending this time with my family. And then on the consultant side, it's like, that's felt, right? It's like, wow, like there's all this expectation for this group coming together for like this one big day to nail in where they want to be in three, five years. And it's like, you're almost just guaranteeing expectations are not going to be met right? On both sides, right? Versus saying, how do we design these processes differently so that we can get some of some of that input in a more iterative way 
and move it forward over the course of the timeline that we've talked about, like these three to five months. So I just want to share like that one process thing, because I feel like it's one that we often face. I think I, I feel like I'm on a call once a week where someone's like, hey, can you come facilitate this one big thing? And, and don't get me wrong, like if that for the right reasons, if it works, it can work sometimes if the expectation is appropriate. But um, I think it's it's a one process point worth mentioning. It's good. All right. Well, to wrap us up, um, normally we end with a or a, a momentum moment. How do we make progress? So last dismount, what's um, one bit of advice? An organization doesn't have a strategic plan. They don't know what their annual focus is. They don't know how to get their team involved. Just a, a little bit of, they don't know where they're at right now. What's a question or a recommendation that you would give them um, to start making progress against developing a plan um, that they can align their team around? I hate to direct them to the compass playbook. Uh, that's <laughs> that's that definitely, <laughs> definitely step one. Um, <laughs> no, but I, th I think, I think it's a question around why, like, why are we feeling this sense of needing a strategic plan? What's underneath that, you know, and sort of hash that out with a, a group. Why are we feeling the need to have a strategic plan? You know, supplementary questions might be, what do we hope having one would achieve for us? What do we think it would bring to the organization and the team? And as you answer that question, that can then tee up um, a conversation with an external party about how they could support you with that or an internal conversation around what do we think we need to do to be able to facilitate a process that will help us drive drive those results? Yeah, Joe, that's great. Um, I, to I totally agree. I think that's exactly the answer I would say is just, and um maybe one other tool as a place to start if you're thinking about this and um, is that we do have an org health assessment um, and you could reach out to us. And I think what you might find in, in taking that assessment as a team and, and reviewing the results together um, is, you know, maybe it confirms that there's a lack of clarity on the, the uh, you know, where you want to be in three to five years, but it might also reveal some like team cohesion issues or, um, or some key rhythm issues that might help you as a team to align to say, hey, maybe it's more than just clarity and we're going to be in three to five years. Maybe there's some the, the ways of working and operating system uh, strengthening that we need to work on as a team as well. So even just clarity on, you know, in what you hope to get out of the process beyond clarity, three to five year vision, the work health assessment can can help you align quite a bit on that as well. Yes. Very good. Well, thanks for uh, tuning in today on a very important topic. Um, we hope your uh, org is healthier tomorrow. All right. Have a good one.